Let's take our Bibles this morning. Please turn to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. Recall, please, uh, last Sunday morning uh, here in Matthew, also 12, we looked at uh, the very biblical idea that, yes, Christ is Savior, and yes, he has uh, unlimited authority and power, but he also came as a servant of the Father, Zach, a suffering servant, uh, indeed. And um, we saw uh, that idea uh, together with the uh, application that it, him coming as a servant is an example to us. Uh, we, too, are called to be servants. This morning... Uh, we return to uh, the emphasis on Christ and his power and Christ and his ministry uh, being powered by or, or fueled by the Spirit of God. Now, uh, this, is, this is demonstrated this morning in a miracle. We'll see here uh, in verse 22, beginning in verse 22, Jesus performed a miracle. Of course, it's a sign uh, like the signs that we saw this morning in the Sunday school hour, uh, Jesus will heal a man who is uh, deaf and dumb, meaning unable to speak. And we'll see the, the Pharisees respond. Uh, I think you'll recall they respond here by accusing him of casting out the demon that was causing the physical problem uh, through demonic power. You remember that, right? And, and Jesus responded, Rich, calmly, right? He responded calmly, but firmly showing them, reasoning with them. Uh, that didn't make any sense at all. You wouldn't cast out Satan by Satan. You wouldn't call upon a demon to cast out a demon. He says, you know, that what you're saying just doesn't make any sense at all. And uh, he talks about blasphemy of the Spirit in this context. By the way, it would seem to be in, the, in, in context here, we, we understand blasphemy of the Spirit as literally being associating the power of Christ or attributing it to uh, demonic power. That, that is the context where we see the phrase being used here. So we see here this morning the, uh, the Pharisees reject, they, they reject the sign of, of the miracle that Christ performed. And I want us to understand this morning as we see this that Marilyn, I think, this is an example of the tendency, uh, yes, in the world, but perhaps sometimes in our own hearts, to dismiss or perhaps to diminish just how powerful our Lord really is. Do you have a strong Savior this morning? Uh, we've been emphasizing that all the way through our study of the book of, or the Gospel of Matthew, because God, Matthew really does emphasize that, right? You see all, all of these miracles and, and the power of Christ and and his authority, and yet this morning we understand um, the world is doing its best to dismiss the power of the Lord, or at least to diminish it. Uh, who created all things, by the way? Who created all things, church? Lord did, right? Uh, I understand the Lord created man uh, in a day, uh, in, in a day. Does the world accept that? No, the world, the world is attempting to dismiss that truth, right? So uh, they replace the truth of the power of God to create all things, including, including people, including us, in six literal days. They don't want to accept that. that. That would make them accountable to a very real God. And so they, they attempt to dismiss or diminish the power of God with a theory of what? Evolution. By the way, it's just a theory. It hasn't been proven. Amen. You know why it hasn't been proven? 
It's not true. Amen. Uh, you cannot legitimately prove something that is not true. And uh, it'll never be proven because it's not true. How do we know that? Well, we have the Bible. We have the Word of God. And so we know that it's, it's literally uh, not true. Uh, and yet the world continues. It persists. That's a, another theme from the 10 o'clock hour, right? The world persists in its efforts to dismiss or at least do their best to diminish uh, the acceptance of the idea that God is powerful. If he's real and he's powerful, boy, they're accountable to him. Are we accountable to a very real Lord this morning? Yes, we are. And I'm, th I'm thankful for that this morning. Uh, I'm thankful. So uh, I, I believe in, in the Pharisees' uh, rejection of Christ performing this miracle through the Spirit of God, we see here this, this idea that, boy, the world is working hard to, to, to diminish, uh, to dismiss or, or to diminish the power of Christ. Um, I want to uh, take care this morning to encourage us to think about this same tendency, Gary, in our own lives. Um, we understand the Lord did create all things in six days. He has that kind of power. We understand that intellectually, but sometimes if we're not careful, we find ourselves not leaning on the Lord the way we should because we doubt if he's as powerful as he's revealed to be in the scriptures. Do you ever, do you ever find yourself struggling with that? We don't lean upon the Lord the way we should because we kind of fall into that same tendency that lost people uh, fall into. We we don't choose to fully comprehend, to fully trust, uh, to fully believe in the real power of our Lord. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. We can this morning lean hard on Christ uh, because, because of him and because of the Spirit of God. Uh, I'm going to pray and I want to jump right in this morning. Father, thank you this morning for this passage. Lord, I, um, I thank you this morning for... Uh, the reminder, Lord, that we might be tempted at times to diminish in our own minds just how powerful you are. Lord, I understand that the Gospel of Matthew is written for many reasons, but certainly one of them is to put on full display the full power, glory, majesty, authority of our Savior. Lord, I understand this morning that he ministered in the power of the Spirit of God. Lord, you call us to do the same. Father, we can minister in the same power this morning, but it's because of Christ and his power. Lord, I pray this morning that we would recognize the tendency to dismiss or diminish in our minds your power. Lord, help us to stand guard against that temptation this morning to see the miracle working power of our savior to be reminded of it to be reminded to to hold fast to this truth and lord to um, allow it this morning to encourage us to lean hard upon you father i pray this morning that you'll help me uh, as we go through this passage this morning, I pray that you would help each one uh, who's come out this morning, Lord, to take that which you desire us to see here this morning. 
Lord, I pray you would work in our time, that you would be honored and glorified, and that we would be built up in your words, that, that we might uh, bring you honor and glory in our faith, through our faith, in your power, your majesty, your authority over all things. Lord, I pray that your people would be encouraged this morning. Father, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Are we ready to dig in? Are we ready? Okay, Matthew 12. Uh, Matthew 12. We'll pick it up here this morning in verse 22. Uh, I want us to see first here that this man, this demon-possessed man who's suffering these physical maladies as a result of the, uh, the power of the demon, power that Christ is allowing the demon to, to execute here. We'll see the cause of the difficulties, the cure, uh, and then the crowd's response. Those are three C's. It's not the whole message, but kind of three C's uh, under the first point here. The first point is this. Jesus performed a miraculous healing. Uh, Jesus performed a miraculous healing. We know that he performed this miracle in the power of the Spirit of God who came upon him, who descended upon him uh, at his baptism. We know, we've said many times, that's an example for us. Uh, Christ didn't have to minister in the power of the Spirit of God, but he chose to, undoubtedly, as an example to us, his people. See here, uh, see here this man. Then was brought uh, unto him uh, one possessed with a devil, uh, blind and dumb. Not ignorant, not lacking in intelligence, but the word you know, we, are, we understand, means that he was unable to speak. So, Gary, he was both blind uh, and unable to speak. Uh, evidently, the Lord allowed this demon to possess this man, and the Lord allowed uh, this demon to cause the man to be uh, unable uh, to see or to speak. Now, we took care, we saw some, some similar situation in the 10 o'clock hour this morning. Uh, we understand that demons are real and that lost people can be demon-possessed and that the Lord is allowing that at this time uh, for his purposes, good purposes. Uh, we saw in, in the Sunday school hour this morning, uh, the Lord allowed that for a very real reason. He, he saw that as exorcists, those Jewish exorcists, uh, uh, people saw that as those Jewish exorcists invoked the name of Christ, that the demon was, was, was irritated, it, it, was, it was stirred up, uh, it was provoked. And so people that witnessed that saw the power, Marilyn, of the name of Christ. And, and so we, we understand that there's various reasons why Christ would allow uh, a demon to possess someone today. Various reasons why the Lord would allow a demon to cause uh, physical illness. We're taking care today in both Sunday school and the morning service to say we don't believe that all illness is caused by demons, but we know that some illness can be because we can see that here uh, in the scripture. So uh, this man is demon possessed and the demon is causing physical afflictions, blindness, uh, and the, the inability to speak. So th that's the cause uh, of his trouble. The cure, of course, is Christ, our, our, our Savior. Uh, just continuing to read in the verse, he, uh, Christ, healed him. Say amen. Lord can do that. Uh, Insomuch that the blind and dumb man both what? Read the next three words with me, please. Spake and what? 
So evidently the Lord healed them completely. He, was a, he wasn't able to speak or see, and, uh, and Christ came uh, and healed him, insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake uh, and saw. It looks like a uh, similar situation to what we've seen in, in earlier healings. Christ comes and, and heals the man instantly uh, and heals the man completely uh, in a moment. It's a wonderful demonstration uh, of his power, uh, his his authority. And so, Zach, I think, again, you can see that the Lord has a reason uh, for allowing this really difficult trial of, of demon possession. And this, we would say this, this be a lost man uh, at this point, at least. It permits him the opportunity to demonstrate his power. Uh, well, not just because. I mean, we could say, well, if that's the Lord's only purpose, fine. That would be his choice, and whatever he chooses is okay with me. But he has a greater purpose uh, than just demonstrating his power. Uh, Marilyn, he, he always acts with purpose. He always acts uh, to accomplish his purposes. Uh, the Lord, of course, wanted to demonstrate his power however he chose, uh, so that people would see, hey, this is not just a normal person. Uh, this, this is, uh, maybe this is the Messiah. Maybe, maybe this is someone who's, who's acting in the power of God because uh, he is the son of God, the son of David. We'll see the crowd's response here. That's the third C, if you want to include that in your notes. We've seen the cause, the cure, Christ, the crowd's response. Uh, verse 23, we see this. All the people were amazed. I'll bet they were. This man couldn't see and he couldn't talk. Now he could. They were amazed. Uh, they were astonished uh, and said this. Is not this, read the next four words with me, please. Is not this the son of David? We know what that means, right? We understand it was prophesied that Christ would come as a descendant of David, a physical uh, descendant of David. That's prophesied by Isaiah. Isaiah factors so much into uh, the prophecies of the Messiah. I need to warn you, I'm studying Isaiah. And, and, and Gary, the more I study it, the more I'm amazed by it. We need to spend some time in Isaiah in our church, don't you think? It, it's an amazing book. It, it's a wonderful book. It's a big book, but boy, it is, it is really something. Uh, pray about that at some point here, not too far down the road. I think uh, we need to dive into the book of Isaiah. Well, Isaiah prophesied that the Messiah would come uh, as a descendant of David. And this is why the people are saying this. They're looking for one who would come uh, with this kind of power, who would be the son of David or descendant of David. Some people looked upon this incredible miracle uh, and they were amazed and they said, this has got to be him. This has got to be the Messiah. Uh, this has got to be uh, the son of David. They, they, they look at the miracle and they say, this must be Christ. By the way, uh, by the way, you could take people to passages like, lost people to passages like this today, uh, and I believe the, the power of the, I think you believe this too, the power of the word of God would be just as powerful as seeing Christ perform that miracle. Amen? Does, do God's words have power? How did he bring creation into existence? He spoke it into existence. We understand his written words ha have the same power. So, you know, you're dealing with a lost person, um, what, whatever their, their pushback is, we, we know the word of God is sufficient uh, and it's powerful. Try to understand, try to diagnose what their pushback is, what their hang-up is, what the roadblock is for them, uh, and, and, and try to identify passages in Scripture that will address 
uh, their issue. Maybe, maybe they think Christ is just a man, uh, just, just, a, just a great man, just a prophet. That's what Islam teaches. Uh, you can bring them to a passage like this and say, hey, look at, look at the miracle working power of this man. Uh, people who witnessed this uh, firsthand, uh, they said, that's incredible. This must be the son of David, uh, the Messiah, the son of God. Uh, let, let the power of God's words work in that person's heart today. Now we understand, we understand someone who's searching for truth, if they've not hardened their heart against truth, well, they're going to be affected by the Holy Spirit working through God's words. And I praise God for that. Pray for that. And then when you see it, praise God for that. You understand there's other people who they've just hardened their hearts against the Lord. They don't want to know the truth. Uh, they, they put up a shield and, uh, and, and not the, the spiritual armor, but a, but a shield against the truth. Uh, they've closed their ears. They've shut their eyes to the truth. Uh, they've hardened their hearts to the truth. I understand the Lord can pierce through that. Praise God. Uh, he does when he chooses to. Uh, but boy, that's, 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 a, that's a terrible decision for someone to make. We understand many people have done that, and they don't even want to consider uh, who Christ is and what he says and what the Bible says about him and the gospel, and so they don't hear it. Sometimes, sometimes we're, we're concerned... Uh, why, you know, I've, I've, I've given a tract to this person. I've given uh, a John and Romans to this person. Uh, I know it's the Lord's will that they'll be saved. And I, I know it's um, the power, there's great power in the word of God. Why isn't this person being saved? Well, they have to be willing to listen, right? They have to be willing to read. Uh, they have to be willing to kind of tear down that hard heart, open up that hard heart, tenderize that hard heart. Uh, and consider uh, who is Christ? What if, have I missed something? Well, the Pharisees here, they, they weren't willing to do that. That's not where they were. Uh, they were very much in the business uh, of trying to dismiss Christ. They didn't want to be accountable to him. They were threatened by him. Remember, they've just attacked him every way they could. Uh, they've attacked him for, you know, picking the corn and eating the corn, and we talked about that. Uh, that didn't really accomplish much. Their attack didn't accomplish anything. They attacked Christ. What are they going to hope to accomplish? Uh, so their, their strategy now is to try to dismiss or explain away his power. That's, what, that's where we began. That's what we see here now. If they can dismiss or explain away his power, they're, they're not re responsible for receiving his words and placing their faith in him. Uh, this is what we see in verse 24. When the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doth not, this fellow Christ, <laughs> he doth not cast out devils, but by who? Beelzebub, the prince of devils. They said, there, there's no way that he's casting out demons uh, unless he's using the power of demons to do that. Now, Gary, we've already said, and Christ is going to say, and you and I can look at this and say, that just doesn't make any sense at all. That doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, if, if I wanted to go and attack Art at home after church, we should do that, right? We should go beat up Art, drag him back to church tonight. I'm being, I'm being silly. I'm not going to bring his brother to beat up. You're not, you don't want to beat up your brother, do you? It doesn't make any sense. Marilyn, I'm being silly. And if Art's listening, Art, brother Art, I'm being silly. This just doesn't make any sense. 
it does illustrate the lengths people will go to, despite the absurdity of it, to dismiss the Lord, his power, the truth of the gospel. People will go to extraordinary lengths uh, to dismiss the extraordinary power uh, of Christ. They say, hey, this, this guy's not casting out devils in his own power. He's, he's calling upon devils uh, to do that. Um, the power that, what, what's the power that he's really calling upon to do? It's the power of the Spirit of God, right? The same Spirit that descended upon him at his baptism in chapter 3. That's the power. That's the power. Well, look at, look at the Lord's response here. By the way, his response is instructive for us. He could have just, you know, poofed them and, and they, they'd be gone. He could have destroyed them uh, right there, uh, and then, but he didn't. He calmly explains to them uh, how absurd their statement is, how absurd their accusation is. And I don't know if you ever struggle at times to calmly answer someone's absurd, bizarre attempt to dismiss the Lord. I, I struggle to stay calm. <laughs> it's okay to get uh, animated, but I struggle at times to, to not get angry when, when people do that. But uh, here's, here's the Lord's uh, calm explanation to them. And this is an example for us. And I know this morning we can take up his example because of him. We have him. We're in him and he's in us. Verse 25, Jesus knew their thoughts. He's omniscient, amen. And said unto them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Uh, you know, any kingdom that's divided will be torn down. By the way, that's why it's so important that there be unity in churches. In uh, every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. Uh, there needs to be unity. You can't have uh, one part of some group warring against the other part and expect it's going to stand. Verse 26, and if Satan cast out Satan, he's divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? Uh, he says, listen, it doesn't make any sense at all that Satan would cast out demons or, or that other demons would cast out Satan. That just, a, they, I mean, they're, they're a kingdom uh, of their own and it's, they're pretty well united. It's just, that's not going to happen. Verse 27, Jesus says this, and if I, by Beelzebub, Satan cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Don't, don't you all cast out devils? We saw exorcists in uh, the book of Acts this morning. Uh, who do they call upon to cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. So Jesus just calmly explains. He, he reasons with them. He, he appealed to uh, logic. We, we've seen this recently. Uh, the Lord would reason with, with men. and uh, Common sense and, and, and logic was one of the tactics that he employed. Um, what I love about this, though, is Gary, he's not trying to just win an argument. He's not trying to just um, put them down or, or put them off. He, he's not trying to embarrass them uh, or, or just win an argument. He wants them to understand that, uh, hey, this, this attempt to dismiss me with this absurd claim uh, not only is it wrong, but the consequence of them being wrong is that they need to see who he is uh, and, and the, the source of the power, the genuine source 
of the power that he's calling upon. What he wants to do is not just win an argument or put them down, but cause them to understand that if they're wrong, uh, he just might be the son of David, and they need to consider that. Look at verse 28. He says, but if I cast out devils by the what? The next three words? Spirit of God. He says, but if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, and we know that's exactly how he did it. He ministered in the Spirit of God, who descended upon him at his baptism. Then, then what? So is this one of those if-then constructions. He's, he's using logic now. He says, but if I, if I cast out devils, not by devils, but by the Spirit of God, then you need to understand, hey, the kingdom of God is come unto you, you all. And they would understand that. They would know what he meant by that. They would understand that he's saying, hey, he's the son of David. He's the king of the millennium. They would understand that uh, if, if he's convinced them, it doesn't make any sense that, that he would cast out devils by calling upon devils, but rather upon the Spirit of God. Sure enough, what some who were amazed concluded, this must be the son of David, must in fact be true, and they're going to be on the hook for that. They, they can't dismiss it. They can't diminish this truth because uh, truth is truth is truth. Well, praise God. <laughs> praise God. Uh, Gary, again, the, the, the point here this morning is we see the natural tendency of people to try to explain away uh, all that is, to try to explain away things that are obviously supernatural. Uh, we understand that that is a temptation of man. Uh, we understand, again, this morning, even in our own hearts, if we're not careful, we can diminish the power of God uh, in our lives. Sometimes we don't pray big prayers. Why? Why don't we pray big prayers like we should sometimes? Because we we're not really exercising faith that the Lord has power to answer the big prayer, right? Uh, do you believe in your mind that God can do big things? Church, do you believe that? He can, he can do great things. I believe in my mind that the Lord can do great things. I believe in my mind that the Lord could work through a small group of believers in Trumbull, Connecticut at Long Hill Baptist Church uh, to lead a bunch of people to Christ uh, and, and to grow that church and, uh, you know, to get it ready for the future and to, you know, just, just see a church accomplish all that, that God wants. I believe that. Uh, well, if, if I believe it here, I need to believe it here uh, and pray it. Amen. Pray it faithfully. Lord, I know you can do that. Uh, Father, I, I know you can do that. Uh, Lord, help us to get <laughs> what we believe from here down into our hearts and that we would pray big faithful prayers, whatever it is. Uh, what, maybe you have a great need in your life this morning. And, you know, you believe intellectually that God has the power to answer a great big prayer, <laughs> a big prayer. Uh, but we don't pray it because we're not... We don't really believe in our hearts that he can and will. I understand we need, we need to submit to the Lord's will in our prayer, but uh, Lord, help us to believe that you can do anything that you choose to do. Lord, help us to not diminish your miracle-working power in our own minds or in our own hearts. Help us to not be like these Pharisees that would go to great extraordinary lengths to diminish or dismiss uh, your power. Jesus goes on here, and um, 
builds up some related thoughts. And let's just look at these. He says in verse 29, or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods except he first bind the strong man? Then he will spoil his house. He's using an illustration here of someone uh, breaking into a man's house. He says, listen, you can't break into a man's house unless you can somehow uh, bind him or hold him at bay if you're going there to steal his stuff. Wasn't that an amazing story that uh, Brother uh, Josh told on, on Wednesday night? How many times did he say their house has been broken into in, in Venezuela? He said two dozen times or something like that. Pray for them. By the way, um, if you were here Wednesday night, I, I think you, you saw a young couple that's very serious about the Lord. Amen. Uh, pray about whether or not we could take them on for support. Um, it'll ultimately come down to whether or not we could do that financially, but pray about that. Talk to me about that. At some point, maybe we'll, we'll ask for pledges. Maybe we take them on for a small amount and see if we can do more over time. But, uh, you know, there, there's a great need there in that country, just as there is here. And You've got a young man there who knows the language. He knows the culture. He grew up there. He's already planted a church with his dad. He wants to plant more churches. Uh, I was excited. <laughs> I was excited uh, for them. And, um, so, yeah, maybe he would look at this and understand this better than some of us. If someone breaks into your house they got, and they want to steal your stuff, they've got to hold you at bay somehow, tie you up, bind you up, hold you at bay somehow, somehow exercise power and authority over you before they can steal your stuff. Jesus says, listen, uh, you need to understand, <laughs> you need to understand that uh, I'm the one who had power and authority to, to bind that demon uh, and then to cast him out of that body. Uh, you need to understand that. Uh, well, praise God, he is the one that has that power and authority. And um, what do we do with that this morning? Well, we can be encouraged, you know, be encouraged that he has that kind of power and authority. Uh, be encouraged that when you're in a spiritual battle, uh, we can pray uh, and ask the Lord. Of course, when we're in spiritual battle, we're called to pray and to fast and fast and, and to pray. Um, well, passage like this encourages me. Yeah, we can do that. We should do that. We're, we, we have a, a Lord who is powerful, who is uh, authoritative, who has uh, power and authority over all things. And that, that's encouraging to me this morning. See some other related thoughts here. We're just kind of working down uh, here. Verse 30, uh, uh, Christ says this, he that is not with me, he that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me uh, scattereth, scattereth abroad. And may look at this and say, I'm not sure why or how this fits here, but listen, I, I think he wants, he wants the Pharisees to understand that um, <laughs> if you're not with me, you're against me. If, if you're not coming to me uh, in response to the miracles that you've seen and in response to uh, all the prophecies that, that you're so familiar with, you're against me. He says, he's not, he that is not with me is against me. He that scattereth not with me, scattereth abroad. It's very interesting to me, Gary. It seems to me that there's a lot of people out there that want to kind of live in a, in a religious gray area. Uh, I, we, meet, we meet people who call themselves Christians. They, they say that they believe in God, but when you begin to talk to them about Christ, they don't want to hear it. You know what I mean? There's people who call themselves Christians that they believe in kind of an ill-defined sort of general amorphous God, 
But the minute you try to pin them down on whether or not they've come to Christ and placed their faith in him uh, as the only way, they get very skittish. Want to talk about something else. Well, that's because they're not saved. We, we understand that. They're, they're under conviction. Uh, there, there's a tendency to want to kind of be in a, in a religious or spiritual uh, middle ground. I, I'll, I'll just acknowledge that there's a God, but I don't have to acknowledge the Christ of Scripture. I don't, I don't have to live according to the words of God. No, <laughs> there's no middle ground. You either know Christ, you're with him, uh, you're in him, or you're not, according to Scripture. That's the truth that, that we, we need to get people to understand. Uh, you, you've either repented of sin and placed your faith in Christ and, and you're in him, or, you're, or you're, you haven't and, and you're not saved. And uh, Jesus bringing this, this truth out here, I believe, would be the, the general idea in context. Uh, they, they need to stop trying to dismiss who he is, uh, stop trying to dismiss his power, see who he is, and place their faith in him. If they don't, they're, they're against him. And Jesus goes on here and uh, he teaches them the great error of attributing his power uh, to Satan rather than to the Spirit of God. And th this is how the, the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is defined in this passage. See this here. We're just teaching a little bit now. Verse 31, uh, Jesus says, Wherefore I say unto you, these same Pharisees, is you need to understand all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. But blasphemy against the Holy Spirit shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man shall be forgiven him, but whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven him, neither is in this world, neither in the world to come. Now, I understand there's a lot of debate about this, these two verses, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, what is it? Uh, can it be committed today? Uh, what I can say for sure this morning is that these verses appear in a passage, a context, that give it definition. Uh, Jesus ministered in the power of who, church? The Holy Spirit, right? God the Holy Spirit. Uh, the, the, the Pharisees came trying to dismiss him, saying, no, you minister in the power of Satan. Jesus, we, we know, that he, he told them, he addressed this, no, he minister, he's the one who could not have ministered in the power of Satan, but rather ministered in, in the power of the Spirit of God. He says you know, that that's sin. And if you persist in that, that's not going to be forgiven. Uh, attributing his power to Satan rather than to the Spirit of God in context, technically, uh, is, is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Now, people will debate, can this be committed today? And there's a, there's a variety of opinions about this. Uh, I, I've taught, well, maybe there's an application today where we would understand that uh, rejecting the conviction of the Spirit of God, that one needs to be saved, that would be unforgivable, of course, we understand that. Uh, the, the Spirit convicting a lost person that, hey, you're a sinner, and, and Jesus is the only way to be saved, uh, and you need to repent and place your faith in him for, uh, for salvation. If they, if they would reject that conviction of the Holy Spirit, yes, of course, that, that can't be forgiven uh, in eternity that that person would, would spend time in hell. I mean, that's, that's possibly an, an application, but I, I think we do, we do well to understand technically in context it was literally 
attributing the power of Christ to Satan rather than to the Spirit of God that is technically the blasphemy uh, that's in view here. Lord, help us to understand that you ministered in the power of the Spirit of God. Lord, help us to always remember uh, that evidently you did that as an example to us. Lord, help us to understand that we'll not minister uh, much or for very long or in the power that you want us to minister in unless we rely upon, submit to, and rely upon the Holy Spirit for all the strength and power that we need to accomplish that which you desire to accomplish in our spirit. Marilyn, that's the application for me uh, as I look at this. Lord, help me to understand your power is real. Uh, The power of the Holy Spirit is real. I do well not to diminish it in my mind, I do well to really struggle and work to understand it and to comprehend it and to yield to that same Holy Spirit that I have the power that I need to minister in my ministry today. Just went on here and I just want to look at a couple more things very quickly. He went on and he told the Pharisees, listen, um, you're, you're missing the boat here. You're, you're missing the Messiah. You're so terribly confused uh, because your hearts are just so hardened against the truth. Uh, verse uh, 33, he said, they were like corrupt or, or wild fruit trees that, that could not bring forth good fruit. He says, either make the tree good and the fruit good or else make the tree corrupt and uh, his fruit corrupt for the tree is known by his fruit. Listen, you're, 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 you're corrupt. You, you are, you're, you're, you're like a bad tree that just, or a wild tree that can just bring forth uh, bad or wild or, or corrupt fruit. Your hearts are hardened against the truth. Uh, he went on, he made a similar statement with a different illustration in, in verse 34 and 35. He said they were like snakes that couldn't speak good things because their hearts were so wicked. Oh, generation of vipers. How can ye being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, Zach talked about speech and words and its connection to the heart recently in his last message. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Whatever's in our hearts comes out of our mouths eventually. Uh, They were hardened against the truth of who Christ is and they spoke blasphemy against the spirit of God to to diminish or, or to dismiss his power. Uh, Verse 35, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. Their hearts were hardened against truth and their speech became blasphemous against the Lord. Lord, help us to have hearts that are not hardened. Um, Listen. Uh, in the Sunday School Hour this morning, we talked at, at some length about being, about being teachable. Uh, are you teachable this morning? Are, or is, is your heart closed to, to continuing to learn? Uh, you know, we, we have to take care to, to not harden our hearts against the idea that I need to keep on learning. Uh, you can, you, you say, you, everyone here this morning is saved, I believe, and I praise God for that. Um, but it is easy to arrive at a place where we think we know all that we need to know. I know I said this this morning in Sunday school. Um, and in a very real way to kind of harden your heart against learning more, continuing uh, to learn. I don't know about you, but I love to learn. Do you love to learn? Do you love to learn? I love to learn 
uh, new truths out of the Word of God. I love it as I study and the Lord shows me things that I haven't seen before. I, I love that. It doesn't make a lick of sense to harden our hearts against learning more. Sometimes I think uh, we're a little bit like the Pharisees, or there's a temptation at least. We think that we know all that there is that we need to know, and we don't want to be challenged in any of that, and so we, we kind of put up a wall against learning any more than we already know. We're, we're subconsciously concerned that if, if, if I remain teachable, I might learn something from Scripture that will challenge some understanding that I've held to uh, and, and, and has become very important to me. Well, that wouldn't make sense. If that understanding was wrong, we want the Lord to correct it. I have nothing specific in mind this morning, but uh, I think you understand the point. Uh, these Pharisees were in a whole heap of trouble spiritually because their hearts were hardened against the Lord, his power, and the truth about his identity that his power revealed. He said, your hearts are hardened against truth, uh, and, and what's come out of your mouth is, is, is not truth but blasphemy. Uh, against the Lord. He told them in verse 36, uh, I say unto you that every idle, that this word here has the idea of careless, every idle word, every careless word that men shall speak, they shall give an account therefore in the day of judgment. Now I know Jesus spoke that to the Pharisees who had just spoken blasphemy against the Lord, uh, but <laughs> Gary, I look at that, at that verse and I'm convicted about it because I believe that's probably a truth that applies to all of us. Uh, careless words, careless words that I speak, I'm gonna give an account for them uh, in, in the day of judgment. At the judgment seat of Christ, we're gonna be judged, right? I understand not our sins, but uh, our service more than our sins. We'll, we'll not be judged for sin and cast into hell, but uh, I believe that this verse does likely apply to us and um, what's the application? Lord, help me to, to really guard my tongue. Zach, going back to your message recently, help me not to speak carelessly. Do you ever say something and, and, and wish those words were on, were on a hook and you could just reel them back in? You can't, though, can you? I've done that so many times. Uh, have you ever uh, just been careless in how you were speaking and you, you, your brain has just gone into, like, careless mode? And, and you know... You've allowed that to go on for a time, and you know what you're about to say. You shouldn't say it, but it, you've allowed your brain to be in careless mode for so long that it just comes out. You know you shouldn't say that, but it comes out, and there's no reeling it back in. You can apologize, but it'd be better just not to say it. Amen? Um, boy, our words can do a lot of harm. And I understand this morning that apologies help, but they can't always erase all the harm that they do. Lord, help us. And, and this, this is Christ. We're going to have to lean hard on him. Uh, help us to look to you and, and your power and your strength to control our tongues. I understand it, it starts in the heart. Help us to have right hearts that our words not be careless. I want to close uh, quickly this morning and look at the next um, three verses. Um, was the, the accusation of the Pharisees that Jesus cast out demons by the devil, was, was that absurd? It was absurd, right? Um, it was absurd. So they, they've just rejected a sign that Jesus gave them that 
he clearly intended to prove to them who he was. It was just one more very gracious sign from Christ to the Pharisees. He's graciously just continued to perform miracles in their presence that they might finally wake up like some people did and realize, hey, this is the Messiah. This is the son of David. We need to repent and put our faith in him. Um, he's, He's graciously given them another sign. And they've rejected it. They've rejected it. Given the absurdity with which they rejected the sign that Christ offered, how much more absurd would it be? How much crazier would it be if their next response to Jesus was, hey, Lord, would you give us a sign? Would you give us a sign to prove who you are? Didn't he just do that? And didn't they just reject it? He did, and and they did. Uh, and, and yet they're so, they're so hard-hearted and, and, and their thinking has become so twisted that uh, having just rejected the sign that Christ gave, they asked for another one. Uh, verse 38, the cert, then certain of the scribes and Pharisees answered, Master, they don't really think of him as master, but Master, we would see a sign from thee. Well, okay, we, we, we'd like to see a sign. Uh, Jesus answered and said unto them, an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. Uh, you know, I've just showed you how hard your hearts are, how evil your hearts are, and how blasphemous you are, how ridiculous it is that you're trying to explain away the sign that I just offered you. He said, there shall be no sign uh, given to it or to you, but, but, there, he says, there, there will be a sign, there will be a future sign that um, will help you to understand some things. He says this, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. Who's the prophet Jonas? Jonah. This is Jonah. Uh, uh, For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Did Jonah spend three days and three nights in the belly of a whale? Is that what the Bible says? Does it say that? Did you see a news story last week that... Was, reminded you of that? Did you see this? Did you see this? Just up in Cape Cod, which is not that far, right? Sister Carol, that's not very far, right? Did you see this story? A man was diving for lobsters. It's a man after my own heart, because lobster's good, amen? I don't care if it's a bottom feeder of Janet. It's delicious, right? And the bigger the lobster, the better, right? I don't care. It's delicious, <laughs> With butter, church? Yes, sir, Brother Garcia. This might be the first time Brother Garcia has ever been wrong. <laughs> We're going to pray for you when we close, okay? So just last week, there's a man diving um, off the shore of, of Cape Cod, and all of a sudden, something has changed. He's inside of something. And at first, he thought he probably had been swallowed by a large shark. But he realized pretty quickly, I don't feel any teeth biting. The shark would just rip you apart, right? The shark uses its many teeth to bite you and rip you apart. He said, that's not happening. That's a good realization, amen. He realized he wasn't being torn apart. And there didn't seem to be any teeth. He's in the mouth of this giant thing. And uh, so he quickly realized that I'm in a whale's mouth, the mouth of a really large whale. And um, he had diving equipment on and oxygen and all that. He 
attributes that to his ability to breathe while he was in there. What's interesting is that he was taken into the mouth of this whale. And after a short time, uh, the whale spit him out. Um, that happened in the Bible. Now, Jonah was in the belly of the whale for a much longer period of time. But um, when Jonah was released from the whale, how was he released? He was spit out on, onto the dry land, right? It's just very interesting. You know, people have, people have attempted to dismiss the Bible as absurd because they would say stories like Jonah and the whale cannot be true, must be false, therefore I can ignore the entire Bible. Well, I, I mean, I took this story from a, a website called Science Something. This is, a, this is an article written by a scientific publication about how a man was taken into the mouth of a whale, admittedly for a short time, uh, and who was spit out and, and who lived. Um, is the Bible true? The Bible is true. Now, we don't, we don't need this kind of stuff to know that the Bible's true, but... Um, you, you, can take, you can take something like, don't you just feel like the Lord gave us this? <laughs> Janet, don't you just feel like the Lord gave us this? Um, people can try to dismiss the Bible as absurd, and they'll, they'll focus on something like this. That can't be true, therefore the Bible's not. If I can't trust all of the Bible, I won't trust any of the Bible. But you know what? You can trust all of the Bible. You can trust it. Uh, it's possible for this to happen even in, uh, tw is it 2021? Even in 2020. Uh, praise God. Praise God. Now, I understand that um, Jesus says here in, in verses 39 and 40, he says, it, you evil, adulterous people seek after a sign. Uh, they, they sought it evilly because they, they didn't really intend to be convinced by any sign. So he says there, there will be a sign uh, you, they knew the story of Jonah, Jonas, and the whale. Um, Jesus says, listen, uh, that account of what actually did happen, Jonah in the whale for three days, uh, it's a picture of Christ being in the tomb for three days uh, and then coming out. He says, for as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Uh, he said, that'd be a sign. That'd be a sign to them that, uh, sure enough, he is the Messiah, the son of David. Uh, it was prophesied. The coming of the Messiah was prophesied. Uh, the crucifixion was prophesied. Isaiah 53, Psalm 22, other places. Resurrection was prophesied as well. All signs that Christ is who he said he was. Um, did he go into the tomb for three days? Did he? Was he resurrected on the third day? Absolutely. It was a sign given ahead of time that their faith would be encouraged. And um, praise God. Now, people try to explain away that today. He wasn't really dead. The swoon theory. He just passed out. He lost consciousness uh, on the cross. No, he was dead, and all of the medical details given in the, the gospel accounts of what he experienced on the cross actually prove 
that he died. I have a medical or article from the Journal of the American Medical Association where a pastor and a, uh, a pastor and a physician evaluated the descriptions of the crucifixion, and a doctor concluded that there's incontrovertible evidence that Christ was dead before he came down from the cross. Uh, people can try to dismiss away who Christ is and the power that he has and the fact that he really did die and rose again. But at the end of the day, the Bible is true, amen? The Bible is true. Lord, help us to never be in the business of trying to dismiss or diminish your power or the truth of any of your words. Help us to hold fast to them, to be encouraged by them, uh, to be willing to take these same words to people who would seek to dismiss them or diminish them, Lord, that your power might convince them or convict them otherwise that they might be saved. Let's stop there and pray, please. Father, thank you. Thank you this morning for your words. Thank you for the truth of your words. Thank you that there is objective truth, and Lord, you define it. You're the source of it. Father, I thank you this morning for the reminder that lost people will try to dismiss who you are by dismissing your words and your power. Lord, I pray this morning that we would find strength and grace in you to answer them graciously as Christ did. Lord, give us wisdom to use your words to answer people graciously. Lord, help us to win the lost for you. Father, I pray as well this morning once again that you help us to never diminish the truth of your words or your power. Lord, help us to not become prayerless because we diminish your power or faithfulness to us in our minds. Lord, help us to never stray away from your words because we diminish their power or truth in our own minds. Father, help us to hold fast to you the way that you've chosen to reveal yourself in your words, truthful and powerful. Lord, help us to look to you for all that we need and to trust you, a God who is truthful and powerful. I'll give you a moment to pray and we'll close. Lord, thank you this morning for your words. Father, thank you this morning for the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Lord, help us to stay yielded to the Spirit and to know the filling of the Spirit that we might minister in your power, in your strength. Lord, thank you for the account of this lobster diver who's swallowed by a humpback whale. It encourages our faith. Pray for that man. Pray for his recovery. 
pray, Lord, that people, lost people, be encouraged by this account, be willing to consider the word of God. Lord, pray for the group from Fairhaven who will be coming here tonight. Pray that you'll use them here mightily, Father. I know there's many in our church who appreciate good, godly music, and I pray people come tonight and, and be encouraged. Pray again tonight, this afternoon, Lord, that you um, use us as an encouragement uh, to those young people and to Brother Ramus. Father, I thank you today for our church. Thank you for each one who's come out this morning. Lift up Brother Art once again this morning. Pray that you heal him and strengthen him and comfort him now. Lord, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Zach, you come.